Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Go, Pat, go! That was the most pathetic football game I've ever listened to. And I was going to throw my radio outside the garage because I've done it twice already, and they weren't no cheap radios either. They were stereos. I've thrown them out of the garage when I get irritated enough, and I was about, about two inches away from throwing it out through the garage door. <laughs> Have another Surly, sir. Tim and Racine. Uh, You're not drinking yeah. the good stuff, you think? No, you're, yeah, you're right. Well, at least the good stuff. There's Take your dirty Packer ch- cheese crust under your fingernails, yeah. hands your off Miller, our surly Take your Miller Lite and get out of here. Get the hell out of here. This is Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgat, executive producer, Declan Goff. And we will be sprinkling in, mostly to make all of ourselves feel better when the Packers get their asses kicked. It doesn't really, for us, take away from the Vikings' problems, but it's hilarious nonetheless. And that's from our friends on the fan in Milwaukee. Um, God bless America. Those phone lines are open after Packer devastation, and we roll on it. Uh, if you're watching Purple Daily on YouTube, A, please click the subscribe button. It helps us grow the show, and we will give you daily Vikings entertainment in return. But if you're watching on a TCL TV, all the better, because TCL is the world's best-selling consumer electronics brand, has a new lineup of award-winning TVs, and... Affordable cost with stunning resolution as well. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. So, boys, uh, we've had two full days now to process the debacle in week one against the Bengals. We got a lot of things off our chest. I think we probably started a lot of arguments about Kirk and other things the last couple days. Uh, Today, let's do this. Let's call it Takeaway Tuesday. Maybe this can be a recurring thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had a couple days to process. Let's make a couple laps around the room here with some of our main takeaways now that we are a couple days clear and looking ahead to the Cardinals. We'll start with Judd Zilgat. All right, I'm going to give you a takeaway that is a dose of reality built up from the previous two years and now into year three. And that is unfortunately, and you hate to do this because it's a person's job, it's a person's life, but the plug must be pulled on Garrett Bradbury's playing time, on Garrett Bradbury playing. Wow. Um, I can't take a lot more of, of this. And and the comment from Zimmer in his day after press conference yesterday, 
about the fact, well, he's, you know, he's going up against a lot of uh, big players. He said, Garrett Bradbury is going up against a lot of big players and we're going to need to get him some more help from guards. What are you talking about? He's a first round pick. He's a first round center, by the way, in a franchise that has had a long line of great centers. And you're telling me that a first year starter at left guard in Ezra Cleveland and a first year starter at right guard, a guy that was a tackle, Ole Udo, are now going to have to make up for Garrett Bradbury. Yeah. I've got two names for you here, and they might not be the answer, but at some point in time, you're going to have to accept your fate and bench him. Like, you can't have this. You can't be like, oh, he gets pushed around. He's a center. He's supposed to get pushed around. But you know what you do when, when you're a center and you get pushed around? You push back, and you're supposed to be big <laughs> enough to sustain the block. Um, the first one, Mason Cole, a center and guard acquired from the Cardinals in the springtime. Now, Bradbury is is listed on the roster, gentlemen, at 6'3", 300 pounds. Mason Cole listed at 6'5", 298, but he's bigger. And my guess is he probably goes more at, at that height than the weight that they've got, got him at. That's just a guess. And then the name beat behind him is a guy that was drafted to play right guard, but he's not playing right now. Wyatt Davis, who did some work at least in training camp, and I don't think he's played this spot before, so this would need to be done with some position in training kept in mind. Wyatt Davis, six foot four, 315 pounds. But I don't think you can keep going down this road of, well, Garrett Bradbury, it's going to eventually turn around. If I have to get yeah. him help, if I have to get him guard help, that's not working. This team's expected to win now. I think you are not in a position to play Garrett Bradbury all 17 games. You're in a position to pull the plug here at some point soon. So are you are you you say some point soon. Are you would you make that switch this week? Would you put Mason Cole in at starting center this week? You, well, you know what? If the Cardinals have a big enough nose tackle, I might give that some thought. Like he's going to that that's the problem, Phil. He's not going to like find another level of play oh man i got i i ate my flintstones vitamins and now i'm strong well that's, that's the thing if, if he's happen. not if he's not yeah. then i'm, I'm giving him fun. another week because i i don't want to just listen the guy put in i would assume work in the off season he's been going through training camp like this is this is the year for him i'm going to give him more than one game but well, i'm not that far behind you man like that was so bad in week one again but, I mean, he, he continues to, and it's a reoccurring theme now going into the third year. He gets pushed around. Like, how's that going to stop? Like, what's going to magically, unless unless he's going against an undersized nose tackle, which might help him out, obviously, but if he's going against the mammoth men that these guys are matched up against, guys like the Vikings have now in Michael Pierce, like, what's going to stop this? Like, he's not going to suddenly turn a corner and be like, I've worked harder and now... So I am just very close to the end of this experiment, and this draft pick very well just might be a bust. Yeah, yeah. I would um, just one more thought on this because it, it, you know, I did a purple minute on Score North TikTok and Instagram on this exact subject that it's not, it's not working. It's not working. Like at, at best, he's he can aspire to be average at best at this point. Like no, he's not the next in line of Jeff Christie, Matt Burke, John Sullivan. Like that's not happening. So you're just hoping that he can avoid being a train wreck. I wouldn't put Wyatt Davis in that position unless you had more experienced guards. If you had, you know, when, when um, and this is Apple Store, just because John Sullivan played center at Notre Dame, for God's sakes. I think he played in the national title game, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, maybe that, that might have been before Notre Dame went. To, but he played at Notre Dame. 
And he was, but he was like a fifth or sixth round pick. He was inexperienced, and they felt more comfortable because Steve Hutchinson was next to him, right? Mm-hmm. And so you could get away with it. If you're going to put a guy with really very little center experience in Wyatt Davis, a third round pick, and you got Ezra Cleveland learning left guard and Oli oh, Uda learning right guard, it's but like I'm saying, can Mason Cole be worse? That's my question. Like, can no, Mason I would, Cole? I would start with Mason Cole. So would I? Yeah, Garrett Bradbury should be helping the young guards. Like that's, you know, that's <laughs> absolutely what they be doing. very frustrating. Yeah. So, all right, my uh, first takeaway: having a couple days to uh, dissect things. I have, I have definitely have some more things to get off my chest, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go positive here because I think KJ Osborne is a rock solid number three wide receiver. Nice. I don't think game one was a fluke. They finally found someone better than Chad Beebe, much to Declan's uh, happiness, mm. to take over that third wide receiver spot. Nine targets, seven receptions. There was a lot of anxiety over the Irv Smith injury and what are the Vikings going to do for a third target. Um, you know, Tyler Conklin is going to be viable. I don't think he's going to be. The guy, I don't think he's going to be like a top six tight end. You know, pass catching in the NFL, but KJ Osborne can catch fifty plus passes this season and be reliable. So. They have another NFL weapon, and that's one of my only positive takeaways from that game against the Bengals. So, yeah, that's pretty much where I draw the line at feeling good about that game. And the punter. punter was pretty good. Well, the kicker. Kicker was pretty good. Greg Joseph, most clutch kicker in Vikings history. Uh, My takeaway, I'm going to recycle a little bit one that I used on Mackie and Judd on Monday, but it's a famous Randy Moss quote, take the ball deep, take the top off the defense. Uh, As we see from next-gen stats from Kirk Cousins' performance against Week 1 against the Bengals, a lot of dink and dunks, a lot of yak, solidifying that 351 yards for Kirk Cousins. Not a lot of shots down the field. A few down the field of of 10-plus yards, but I need more. With Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen here, you need to take more shots down the field. And that offensive line is shaky. I get it. But when there's when it's second and one, take a shot. When I'm watching that Raiders game yesterday, and it's second and one on their own 30, and they throw a bomb and seam down the sideline, take that shot. So I my, my biggest takeaway was I didn't see that enough in the Bengals game. I want Kirk and this offense to take the ball deep and take the top off the defense. And Look at that. that. And that is done through what? Through decisive passes. Because when you sit back there and wait, First of all, it makes the Lions' job much tougher. And second of all, you're never going to, for for the most part, have Justin Jefferson just breaking free, right? Like, oh, my God, he's five yards behind the receiver. So you have to throw that anticipatory pass with precision, which Kirk can do, and you have to be confident enough to throw that pass. Case in point, uh, 2018 at Philadelphia, I believe it was a Kirk pass to Thielen from about the two-yard line. Uh, for the Vikings, to about the 50. It was completed. You know why? It was a yeah. hell of a pass and a nice catch. So, so Dex, to your point, what I don't want to hear is people say, well, all the receivers are covered. That's too tough. You can't have Kirk do that. No, actually, you can, because sometimes in this league, you have to take some chances. Well, And even on the uh, the last drive that set up the game the game time field goal, and he threw that nice ball to, 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 to Gronklin, as I like to call him, right down the seam. Like, that is take the shot that, that you needed a little bit of a play, but he took a shot and that's a big chunk play for 20 yards. You need more of that. If you're going to beat the Cardinals on Sunday, I want to point out, uh, this is, this is a good segue at some point later on for the nerd football stat of the week, which is closely related to what you just brought up there, Declan. So stay tuned for that. But I think a lot of people are going to say, well, depth of target. Of course it was short. The offensive line is garbage, right? That's what people are going to say. Well, the offensive line is definitely not great, but of the 32 starting quarterbacks, 
that played on Sunday, and actually Ryan Fitzpatrick um, and Taylor Heineke show up in here because Fitzpatrick got hurt. So there's actually 33 quarterbacks on here. Kirk was top 10 in, in lowest pressure rate. So, for instance, Teddy Bridgewater was pressured on 54% of his dropbacks. Wow. Ryan Fitzpatrick was pressured on 63% of his dropbacks. Zach Wil- Russell Wilson was pressured on 46%. Lamar Jackson on 46%. I could keep going here. Kirk was pressured on 30% of his dropbacks. So, while, while that's not ideal... It's not anywhere near as bad as like 15 or 20 other quarterbacks had it on well, Sunday. So that there's something yeah. with the, either the schematics or just not wanting to throw the ball down the field. It's not all, well, every play, he's just, eh, well, let's not over-exaggerate. And quarterbacks can create their pressure, too, by trying to wait for it, the perfect play. Like, if you sit back there, I'll, the Bradbury play, and this is not in Garrett's defense, but the play on which the, the um, Bengals nose tackle pushed Bradbury into Kirk. Kirk kept patting the ball. Like he stood there. Like that ball has to come out. It has to go somewhere. Now, if it goes to the sideline incomplete, that's fine. But that ball has to get out. Like you can't be, you can't just sit there. It's one thing if the left tackle, which is going to happen with Rashad Hill whiffs and you don't see the pressure. It's another, if I sit back there in the middle of the pocket and literally see my center approaching me like a Mack truck, that's going to go off a cliff. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to make a play here. Screw this. So yeah. anyway. Uh, all right, Judd, you're next up Football. here. Okay. But uh, before we get to Judd's next takeaway, let's hear from Sam in Milwaukee, a oh. sad Green Bay Packers fan. <laughs> and they lost. <laughs> go, Pat, go. One of the big things in part of his drama scenario was bringing back Randall Cobb. I was expecting to see Randall Cobb more in that game as part of Aaron Rodgers' master plan of his genius, right? Why was Randall Cobb not in that game until Jordan Love was in the game? Go, Pat, go! Yeah. Boy, I mean, I... I feel like they really could have closed the gap on that 38-3 to score. If Randall Cobb had played about 10 more snaps, I mean, that is a nail-biter in the end. What do you guys think? I'd like James Lofton back as well. John Jefferson. Don't Robert forget about Javon, Javon Walker, man. That dude Ferg? would have been. How about Ferg? Ferg. Robert Ferguson. Double D. We like them all back. Yeah. Greg Jennings. Double D. Donald Driver. Love Donald Driver. Double D. Double Jordy D. Nelson. Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson. All right, Tuesday takeaways. Don't don't care. <laughs> he yourself. actually would. Yeah, that's not a joke. All right, one more lap around here. Tuesday takeaways. Forty eight hours later, Judd. Okay, so I think what makes me such a special person is my ability to to admit when when I tweak my ideas because I sit down, grind film, watch games, talk to people, um, talk to Stella, drink Surleys, and I have different thoughts that come up. So I told you guys probably starting about a month ago, I told you guys Kellen Mond should not play in a game, that this should be in 2021, should be a redshirt year for the third-round QB that the Vikings drafted. I'm going to amend that and say he should not be starting for sure, and I don't want to see him play a ton. But as I watch week one and I watch Trey Lance get opportunities and I watch Justin Fields, and yes, we can we can debate, He should be starting, but he's still getting opportunities. And I say to myself, okay, 
your offense clearly challenged against the Bengals on Sunday. There might be some problems here, like hiccups. I get that. What about a Kellen Mond package of plays? What about a package of plays that features him? And at least when you start that package, teams aren't going to be prepared for it. Kellen Mond offers you the one thing that we know for sure, right? A very different look than Kirk. He can run. He's more comfortable. He's more athletic. Um, is, is he the quarterback that Kirk is smarts-wise right now? Absolutely not. But I'm, I'm going to amend my statement, not by saying I'm pushing for Mon to start and play significant time, but I saw, you know, Trey Lance package, pretty damn smart. Kyle Shanahan, pretty good coach. My point is I now think that the Vikings should, starting on Sunday or in week three against Seattle, if they need more time to work on it, give serious thought to having Kellen Mond active on game day and having a package of plays that can give opponents sort of a curveball look from what you get from Kirk. I hear you. I think where I the, the, the biggest difference is there, especially with Fields, there's two big differences. Fields feels like he's just ready to jump into an NFL game Agreed. right now. He was more dominant in college. Just oh, agree. All those yeah. things. He could start. But but the second thing, the the bigger thing it's been declared in both Chicago and San Francisco by the actions of those front offices in the draft and even just by the way that the coaches and front offices are speaking publicly that Andy Dalton and Jimmy Garoppolo are just keeping the seat warm for Trey Lance and for Justin Fields. Like it's an it's an openly known thing that Andy Dalton, you know, whether it's two games or 10 like you're not going to be the starting quarterback here for much longer and it's op- it's out in the open. And Jimmy Garoppolo, we've been shopping him, wound up just not getting the offers that we liked, and so we're going we're gonna to hand him. It has not been an open conversation with the Vikings. I think it's unspoken. Oh, we're looking for a young quarterback that we can groom behind Kirk, and so let's sure. take Kellen Mond in the third round. But they've never gone the next step, which is to say, oh, no, he's like knocking on the door to take Kirk's job. There's always been a very thick line drawn between Kirk is the starter, Kellen is here to soak things in as a young quarterback and observe and learn and work on his mechanics and things like that. I think drawing up a package of plays for Kellen Mond would be like, it's, I'm not disagreeing with you and maybe there'd be some value there, but it's, it would, it would, it would warrant a further conversation about the state of the Vikings quarterback situation, which we are, which we are having all the time here. They should have, exactly. But But they have not gone to that step is what I'm saying. Okay. But when, when you see what Lance does, right. Or, or, and I agree, Justin Fields could start. Kellen Mond can't start. So I'm with you. I'm not debating that. But when you see what those guys bring as far as changeups go, does that not intrigue you? Because Kirk Cousins can't even touch that. Like, he doesn't have the ability. He can roll out and throw. But, I mean, if you had a package of five or six plays for Mond, Mond plays for certain down and distances, sure. I'm just saying, and you know what? If Kirk objects, screw you. I don't care. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I hate I, to be so frontal. Um, I, I, no, I would. Ex- you, I don't care. I, I would explore anything that allows this offense to be more dynamic. Yes. And if and if and if that, I don't think you're in any situation where Mon should be considered as like a replacement at any time in the near future. Get back to me after a month if they start zero and four, which would be a disaster. Yeah. Um, but but if it's like, oh hey, here's here's a here's a package of rollout plays where he can use his legs and get out and do some comfortable things. It's like a sliver of the playbook. Okay. Like I could, I could maybe get behind that football. Um, my uh, next takeaway here, takeaway Tuesday, 
is that this whole thing from top to bottom feels like a gravitational pull toward average with this team right now. You know, the offensive line is striving to be average. Right? We're literally begging, can Bradbury, Rashad Hill, can we just, we're not we're not asking for Hall of Fame caliber play here. Just can you just be average? Uh, the defense coming off of a disaster last year is striving to just sort of get back to being average again, right? The quarterback, especially watching other quarterbacks around the league evolve, mobility, young guys coming in, the quarterback is a decidedly average NFL starting quarterback. Uh, the head coach, who only cares about 50% of the team, which is defense, is, you know, he's not Sean McVay innovating offensively. Um, He's closer to an average head coach. And I saw this graphic put up. I don't have it ready to put on the screen here, but I'll just explain it quickly. Uh, The Athletic put out uh, a plot graph of offense, defense. uh, It's expected points added. So it's analytically like how many points were you expected to score based on your process. And the, the Chiefs are way over here on offense and sort of average on defense. And the Packers are way on the other side on offense in week one. And the Vikings were literally smack dab in the middle of the graphic, offensively and defensively. They were just smack dab average expected points added offensively, defensively. And I don't know about you guys, certainly not a train wreck. You're not going to be the Jets by being average. That's great. But you're not winning a Super Bowl by being average. And sometimes I think we get so comfortable and like we just settle for, oh, it's not that bad. You, know, you Be careful. Yeah. You could get another ponder. It's like, oh, I... Like I don't, average doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. I, I an average offensive line doesn't do it for me. An average quarterback doesn't do it for me. An average coach doesn't do it for me. Well, but what if you hire? What if you hire an Adam Gaze? I guess I'm willing to take the chance. Well, and also don't. Like, well, like but you. Crazy. I mean, but you might, and you have to just be willing to to take that risk. Feel, yeah, yeah. Um, the problem is, again, I, I think it comes back to what you're alluding to, Phil, which is a lot of this town is okay with, hey, the Vikings are, I mean, there were literally people yesterday who were seriously saying, well, point differential, they're in first place. And they weren't joking. And they weren't, and they weren't joking. Weren't jo- it wasn't some were, jo- some were joking, <laughs> oh, but some weren't. Hey, oh, look, man. you know, Packers got blown out. I'm feeling good about that. I don't know what you're talking about. I stayed off Vikings Twitter <laughs> yesterday. I don't even know what you're, what you're talking about. Football. <laughs> All right, Dex, round us out here. Sure. Final takeaway. Yeah, my final takeaway is be aggressive on fourth down. I think one of my main takeaways just from all of week one, not just the Vikings game, was so many teams were being more and more aggressive on fourth down. We saw it in the Raiders game uh, on Monday Night Football. We saw it very prominently in that Vikings-Bengals game. Two times for Zach Taylor, one looking like a buffoon going forward and deep in his own territory, and the other one icing the game and basically solidifying the win on the Joe Burrow play on fourth and one that won the game for the Bengals. The Cowboys game had a, had a couple fourth down calls. I like that other teams are getting more aggressive on fourth down. And in fact, the NFL and AWS just announced a partnership that they're going to now be tracking more analytical fourth down conversion rates and, and probability rates now. So now teams are going to have more access to when it's worth it to go Get for it on fourth nerds! down. Zimmer's like, oh, that's great. That's what I need more information that I don't like. And I don't care if he delegates that to someone. He probably won't because he's old crusty Zim. But I love being aggressive on fourth down, and I would would like to see more of that. I don't want you to pull a Zach Taylor and you basically playing Madden and going for it on your own 30, you know, on on, uh, on, on fourth and one. But I do think you should just be more aggressive and start going for it on fourth down. Mm -hmm. I think on your side, 
or on on if you're driving towards the the end zone and you're in what they call plus territory, I like it. If you're up by two touchdowns and you're at your own what 35, 30, I'm like, dude, that's a little bit much. Yeah, draw the line. <laughs> draw the line somewhere. But yeah. yeah, I like the aggressiveness. So those are the uh, Tuesday takeaways here now that we've had Football. 48 hours to digest this thing. Uh, a really interesting nerd football stat coming up here, too. A shout-out to Moon Motorsports. So they've been a huge supporter of us during this 2021 season. And Moon Motorsports has been a family-owned and operated uh, power sports company for 50 years. We're talking about motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-side snowmobiles, the largest inventory selection in the region. So if you or someone maybe in your family enjoys the outdoors, if you like outdoor endeavors throughout the fall and winter, um, take it to Moon Motorsports in Monticello and check them out at moonmotorsports.com. Also, Judd, we recommend uh, drinking responsibly, but yeah, guessing there was here. an extra surly consumed on, after right. that week one loss. I got something right here. Oh, oh, look, it just happened to have right by my workstation here at home in my office. They're just two dozen cans at Judd's feet right A now. A box of surly furious. You know what? That that Manning that Manning game last night <laughs> was, oh was God, made was more fun. fun by the by the um, presence of Surly Furious right to my right. In fact, I sent Dex a, a note because he said he was drinking something else, and I said, where's your Surly Furious? I ran out. And what did you say, Dex? I ran out, and it's my first stop at home from work today at my local liquor store to grab Minnesota's favorite IPA. And all Judd has to say about that is be like Declan right there and enjoy the IPA that revolutionized Minnesota craft beer. Don't settle. Get Surly, because that's what Dex and I are going to do today. And then lost. Go, Pat, go. Man, it's looking like Aaron Rodgers was like, I told you guys, this is what we should have did. But he sat down and was like, screw it. We got beat by 30. Man, you don't get beat by 30. Y'all professionals. <laughs> go, Pat, go. One of a kind. Packer vent line. Never going to get old. No. Nope. Um, all right, boys, I got a nerd football statement or nerd football uh, stat of the week here for you. And it's – I just don't really understand it. I, 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 I'll, I'll throw it out there, and then we can talk about it. Okay. So the Vikings threw 49 passes in that game on Sunday. Only eight of them were play-action passes. The Vikings went six for eight for 42 yards on play-action. In that game, 5.2 yards per attempt. 5.3, actually. That's the thing that they do best offensively. They run the ball well, but Kirk Cousins is one of the best play-action quarterbacks in the NFL throughout his career, especially with the Vikings, especially the last two or three years with a mostly healthy Dalvin Cook. When they run play-action, Kirk Cousins has a Hall of Fame passer rating, throws a lot of touchdown passes, chunks down the field. He's good at it. It's... You know, it's it's a way to hold defenders off for an extra beat because they have to stop and see if you're running the ball, right? It's a way for Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen to find holes in the defense. You can push the ball down the field. It's where you can take your shots. And in that game, they had one of the lowest play-action rates of any team in the league on Sunday. And when they did it, they were only 6 of 8 decent completion percentage, but only 42 yards on 8 attempts 
So mostly checkdowns in those play actions. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, when your offensive line can't protect and when you're in like second and forever and third and forever, it, it also makes it hard to run play action. Right. Because like, are you really fooling the defense? Right. You know, I'll trust uh, our, our guy Tyler Fornis from Climbing the Pocket. I was on his podcast last night and I brought that up. I said, it's probably tough when it's second and 15 because you've had a holding call or third and whatever. And he said, actually, there's been a lot of studies in the league that show you that even if it is a likely passing down, like a second and 18 or a third and 14 or whatever, that you can still show play action and it will suck defenders in. Maybe not on like third and 20, but like second and 18, it's still effective because they still have to honor it. And so I guess I wonder why did the Vikings go so aggressively away from play action and then why were they so conservative on the play actions that they ran in that game? Uh, the second question, I have no clue because that makes zero sense. The first question, I think um, I think our friend Courtney Cronin asked Kirk Cousins about this and what made it so difficult. And he gave the exact reason, Phil, that, that you gave in saying in saying what the public's assumption is, which, which is they're playing a deeper zone and, and they're playing back. And so they don't care if you run on second and 18. And so they don't bite. Now, that might not be true. Yeah. And th- that's the thing is, I don't know sometimes what's true in players and coaches' mind and what's true from significant studies of certain down and distances. But I will say this, and, and we talked about this before in relation to the stat. You know, a lot of people, including us, have talked about, is Clint Kubiak going to be different? Is Clint Kubiak going to do things differently than Gary did? Is he going to bring back more uh, common or up-to-date uh, things in the passing game? And as the stat that Dex had is a great stat. If the Vikings had um, 10 times last year with four receiver sets, all last season, right, Dex? Mm -hmm. And they did it nine times on Sunday. Like, that's trying to be more up-to-date. And so the question then becomes, is Kirk incapable of functioning in situations in which conditions in his mind, keep this in mind, aren't perfect? And the answer might be yes. And, And Because Zimmer turned so hard on DeFilippo in 2018 and fired him with three games left, I think we were all like, well, this guy didn't work out. He's not very good, right? But actually, if you look at what he was trying to do, he was trying to treat Kirk like a star star QB because he was paid like one. So I think the answer to your question actually gets at a deeper problem and not a one-game problem, which is, is Kirk incapable of running some plays, which gets back to my Mon point, which yeah. is if he is, give Mon a package of plays where it's going to be a different look. Because the one problem that we that we get to with Kirk, and we probably don't discuss this enough, is if you're completely predictable, how are you going to win a Super Bowl? Like play action's great, and I like it, and, and like Favre was a master, but Bright could do a lot of things. Um, if Kirk can only really thrive off of, let's say, two or three things, how are you going to – I'm not saying you can't win games, and I'm not saying you can't make the playoffs, but how are you going to win a Super Bowl if you basically are in the minds of defensive coordinators a one- or two-trick pony at most? Yeah, I think, and I think one of the comebacks would be just looking at the numbers. And again, the numbers only mean so much with Kirk and some other quarterbacks. Because there's a lot, there's a lot of guys who. Th- I mean, Blake Bortles had a year where he threw for like four thousand some odd yards, right? Like you can, you can ra- 
lot of quarterbacks can rack up yardage. I, I'm more interested in key situations. What are you able to do? How much do you have to trick up the offense uh, for you to succeed? But when they didn't run play action, they were 30 of 41 for 309 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, seven and a half yards per attempt. So they they were, to some extent, taking advantage of whether it was deep zones. It, it kind of felt like, and I'm not an all-22 guy, but like it did kind of feel like Cincinnati must be going way out of their way to make sure the Vikings don't hit home run balls to Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. And so um, it's just going to be an underneath party for three hours, baby, and, and you're going to have to run 15 plays to score a touchdown was their strategy. Okay, so so you're right, and I'm sure that they looked at Justin Jefferson and said, 18 is not going to beat us. But what do you think about the fact that Joe Burrow was not exactly a deep master the entire day, but he took some shots, and the Jamar Chase one, and Breland got caught there. Um, this is where I think you have to take some shots, right? Like, like I don't think that you can just say, well— Agreed. Jefferson's being taken away because he can draw a PI. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go wrong both ways. Yep. Um, but I think to just sort of like figuratively punt and say, well, you know, they're playing two deep zones. We can't, we can't pass. Um, your offense and your quarterback can't fall into, well, then it's just going to be, to use your phrase, an underneath party for three hours. Well, the, we, we saw it last night. One of the biggest differences and distinctions between Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, and we did a we did a whole thing on this on Mackie and Judd today if you want a deeper dive. But Pro Football Talk put out the poll during that game last night. Who would you rather have quarterbacking your team, Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins? And 56.5% of people said Derek Carr. And a big reason why I think those people are right is because Derek Carr, A, is one of the best quarterbacks in the last four minutes of halves when teams know you're going to throw. Derek Carr rises up and is actually really good in those situations. He has 25 career game-winning drives in his career, which I think is the most over that stretch. Last night, he had eight, and some of this is play calling. Some of this is play calling. But Derek Carr led the NFL this week in deep pass attempts. He had eight, including two in overtime, one that they thought won the game, right? it was I mean, they're like on the edge of field goal range, and now let's throw a dagger. Let's throw a dagger and win the bleeping game right now, as opposed to let's inch our way into field goal range and pray to God, right? But <laughs> yeah, not, let's and nothing bad happens. No, dagger them now. And and Derek Carr had two, uh, and by deep passes, it's uh, twenty yards or more in the air. He had two of them in overtime. One that should have been the game winner, uh, if they wouldn't have thrown an interception a few plays later, and then one that was the game winner on what looked like kind of a busted coverage. Right. And uh, Kirk had three attempts. And I'm going to say Kirk and or the play calling mm-hmm. had three deep pass attempts, and I just I want to see more. That that was uh, that was 20th in the league. Jordan Love had two, <laughs> came in in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, what, what, I don't care if there's two safeties over the top. You have Justin Jefferson on your team, right? Throw the ball to him, right? Correct. Whether whether it's scheme play calling or just not willing if you're Kirk to take a shot. Like you need more than three deep passes in a game if you want to do damage offensively. Yep, and they might grab him. And guess what? Then you're probably going to get a flag. Yeah, it'll be awesome. It'll be a yeah. spot foul. Then Take your chance. Ball at the 12-yard exactly. line. That's no, great. I mean, that's exactly right. Um, hey, uh, our friends at the Minnesota Lottery, they've got these cool Vikings scratch game tickets this year. So even if the Vikings lose, you can win up to $100,000 with that $5 game and up to $15,000 with the $2 game, plus great second-chance prizes like Vikings tickets and merchandise. Get pumped and say, I'm in to Vikings scratch games 
from the Minnesota Lottery. Must be 18 or older to play. Uh, Also, our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company are helping business owners out there. They are your offensive line protecting against risks. They're better than the Vikings offensive line. I can assure you that. Helping different companies. Protecting your bottom line. No false starts from Federated. Nope. None. No holding calls. None of that uh, stuff. Clean no it up delay a long time ago. Yep. So find out more about how Federated can help your business with risk management and protecting your bottom line at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Let's hear one more time from Tim and Racine. <laughs> game I've ever listened to and I was going to throw my radio outside the garage because I've done it twice already and they weren't no cheap radios either. They were stereos. I've thrown them out of the garage when I get irritated enough and I was about about two inches away from throwing it out through the garage door. They had eight track players too. Yeah. Damn it! A nice eight track player too, not just one of those ringy dingy ones. I think he hiccuped about three yeah. times in there. Oh too. yeah, he's twenty seven beers. It in. wasn't just an iPod. It was a Zune from two thousand five. It was a pretty good MP three player. God, no, that guy. Did, that guy's never owned an MP three player. He's never owned an MP three player. No, 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 no chance. A track. A track. He stopped. No, no CDs. Yep. Nothing. Yeah. He's a big Jackson Brown fan. Yep. yep. All right, well, thanks for hanging out with us. Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. Mackie, Judd, executive producer Declan. See you guys tomorrow on Purple Daily.